0: Two, two Swing a Deep left. On. hey everybody welcome back to another baseball america podcast i'm kyle glazer we're continuing our ba prospects podcast series today with the atlanta braves your defending world champions and to do that we are joined by the esteemed carlos collazo carlos has done the brave system for us for a couple of years carlos first and foremost how you
1: doing Great, man. Excited to be back in the new year talking baseball. It's been a nice few weeks of downtime, uh, but we're gearing up for for the draft on my side of things and excited to talk about the Braves system. It's it's an interesting one, and obviously for a team that just won the World Series, maybe the prospects aren't really at the forefront because uh, you kind of just reached the point you've been trying to for so many years for for these Braves fans. But I think there's still a lot of interesting players to talk about. Um, it's a new sort of wave and a new chapter for for the prospects in this system, and I'm excited to dive into them with you, Kyle.
0: As you kind of alluded to, the Braves have the number one farm system in the BA organizational talent rankings in 2017 and 2018. They translated that to winning the World Series last year. Uh, They had an entirely homegrown infield, Freddie Freeman, Ozzie Albies, Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley. Freeman predated those number one farm systems, obviously, but the rest of them were key components of that. Plus, you have a guy like Ian Anderson, who was homegrown, Max Freed acquired as a prospect, and of course, guys like Ronald Acuna and Mike Soroka who were injured and unable to participate in the World Series, but nonetheless have been key parts of this Braves rise and helping them get to this point where they are a perennial contender and the reigning NL East champion four years in a row now. The Braves did everything right. They had this fantastic group of homegrown talent. They layered it with smart trades. We saw a number of them at the deadline last year, of course. Productive free agent signings, astute minor league deals, a waiver wire pickup types, Tyler Matzik being foremost among them. This is the formula and the Braves did it and now they're world champions.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think they've made a number of really savvy moves. They've they've had a strong foundation of homegrown talent, like you mentioned, for a while now. And I think Alex Anthopoulos has really done an excellent job just piecing together the holes in the roster, making smart uh, free agent signings, smart trades that really haven't pulled from the the prospect cachet or the premium prospect cachet. I should I should say of this system. None of the none of the acquisitions the Braves have made really over the last several years have pulled from the upper echelon prospects. Uh, there aren't a ton to be found beyond the top 10 in this system. I think the the depth of this system is certainly not where it was in the past. Um, I'm sure we'll get into the reasons for that and, and why that is shortly, but I think it's been impressive what this team has done at the major league level without trading away guys like Christian Pache, like Drew Waters, like Michael Harris, Shea Langelier, some of these guys who are forming kind of the bulk uh, of the system right now. That's that's encouraging because the team is competitive now and they do have the pieces uh, in the upper levels of the minors to continue kind of filling holes and remaining competitive at the big league level.
0: Yeah, I mean, moving forward, the biggest thing for this team will be whether they re-sign Freddie Freeman. Obviously, we won't know if that's going to happen until after the lockout. Most people expect him to resign, but you never know, crazier things have happened. And of course, getting Ronald Acuna Jr. and Mike Soroka healthy, those are all things that will really play a big role in ensuring the Braves continue to compete moving forward as a World Series contender. That said, every team always needs reinforcements from their farm system. And you kind of mentioned a couple of guys, I mean, what kind of reinforcements are waiting in the farm system? What is the quality of this farm system in terms of its ability to help the major league team?
1: Yeah, I think there are a number of bats that are interesting and a number of of pitchers that will probably move through the system sooner rather than later. I mean, there are a number of guys uh, or a few guys, I should say, in the top 10 that have already pitched at the major league level. Kyle Muller is probably first among them. Spencer Strider had maybe the biggest year in 2021, moving the levels he did after being drafted in just 2020 as a fourth round pick. And a guy who was really under the radar from my perspective, the Braves uh, liked the stuff that he showed coming back from injury in college uh, and were very high in his makeup and ability to put everything together. And, and his, his rise in the system is, is probably the biggest of any player that we're talking about. And he's a guy who you could see helping out in either a reliever role or a starting role at the major league level uh, very soon. He threw, I think, just two innings um, last season. So it wasn't a big... Um, role for him this past season but considering where he started in low a pretty impressive just to make the major leagues um, in any capacity uh, beyond that I think you have uh, a few bats at the upper levels who they you, you probably have some question marks on now Christian Pasha and Drew Waters have been guys who've kind of anchored this system for a few years now there are real question marks about the quality. Uh, of their hitting ability drew waters didn't take the step forward you wanted him to in triple a he did cut down the strikeout rate a bit but you want to see more from him kind of the same deal with christian Pache. i think he was expected to maybe take over that center field role this year he dealt with some injuries uh, also dealt with poor performance offensively Uh, no one doubts what he can do defensively and i think that'll give him some ability to to have a role in some capacity but for both of these guys for them to reach their ceilings they need to do more offensively and then beyond those I think a guy like Shea Langoliers is, is a guy who can give you value on both sides of the ball. He's one of the better receivers uh, of the, the very strong catching prospect group that we have in the minors right now. Uh, he showed a really impressive offensive season. I like the exit velocity numbers you have with him, his power output in a very pitcher-friendly park um, this season. And then maybe the most exciting guy. I don't know that he's going to be a player who impacts the team next year. Um, but Michael Harris kind of has the combination of, of everything that you would want for a number one prospect. He has probably the best pure hitting ability in the system. He's very tooled up. He's athletic. Uh, his defensive ability probably is underrated at this point, just because he's in the same system as Christian Pache, who's just lauded for his ability to play defense. Um, and he should be challenged next year at A, And depending on how he handles that, I mean, the Braves in the past have have pushed players aggressively when they've shown they're ready. They haven't exactly followed that path with Michael Harris, but with the COVID year, um, maybe that's the reason why they were a little bit more cautious. But I think he's ready for a challenge, uh, and I'm excited to see what he's able to do because he he seems like a pretty special talent.
0: A lot of the best players in the system are in the upper levels, guys with Double A AA time, Triple A mm-hmm. time, which will help the Braves continue to be competitive for years to come. But the number one guy in this system is someone who has spent his entire career in the lower level so far, and that is Michael Harris. When the Braves drafted him, he was someone that a lot of teams actually preferred as a pitcher out of high school, but the Braves decided to let him hit. And it's funny, it reminded me Freddie Freeman at the All Star game during his uh, press conference availability mentioned that a lot of teams out of high school actually preferred him as a pitcher. And he said mm-hmm. only two teams were going to let him play the field the Braves and the Cubs. And obviously that one has worked out very, very well for the Braves, not comparing Michael Harris to Freddie Freeman, but I thought that parallel was kind of interesting. On the whole, what do the Braves have here? Because again, Michael Harris had very, very limited time before this. He was a 2019 Mm -hmm. draft pick, some complex league time, a little bit of time in the Sally League back in 2019, but this was his first full season and what a first full season it was. What are the reviews on him and what do the Braves have here?
1: Yeah, I think they have a chance to have an an impact all around everyday major leaguer if he kind of hits on everything, all the talent that he has, and continues to make strides, just refining his his offensive approach a little bit as he as he faces better pitching at the next levels, as as he faces pitchers who are more able to adjust to what he's able to do. I think just in terms of innate bat to ball ability, Harris is kind of standing at the top of this system in my mind. Uh, he has a a real feel for putting the ball or putting the bat on the ball, wherever it's pitched um, early in the season. That was honestly, he was, he was expanding the zone on pitches. He really didn't need to swing at, but still getting results on those swings. Um, I know the Braves weren't too heavy handed in trying to have him focus on any one specific thing. They were kind of just letting him go out there and have success as he climbs the minor league ladder. I think you're going to want to see him just get a little bit more selective. Um, so he walks a little bit more, Um, So he can drive pitches with more authority. He does hit the ball on the ground a decent bit now, um, but he hits the ball hard. So I think as he kind of continues to age, continues to get stronger, he'll elevate the ball more. He has impressive raw power. Um, So all the offensive tools that you would want to see from a very productive hitter who can give you average, who can give you pop. um, He's extremely fast. He's a plus runner who got just great defensive reviews. I mean, I came into this just – thinking I was going to pencil Christian Pache into the best defensive outfielder tool for the system. And he is the guy who was uh, who filled that uh, that category for the Braves at the end of the day. But the, the conversations I had with people who evaluated Harris's defense were, were much louder than I expected. And I actually had to think about whether or not Harris deserved to win that category. That's just how loud the defensive reviews for him were. Uh, he can handle center field and played at a very high level. His athleticism is really impressive his reads on balls are impressive. So I think everything defensively, He you probably don't need to worry too much about him sticking in center field. He's got plus defensive ability, plus arm strength as well. I think the big question for him is just how is he going to adapt and change his offensive approach once he faces double A AA and triple A pitching? I think he's got all the physical tools uh, to be able to handle that and be a good hitter. It's Just what sort of hitter specifically is he going to be? Is he going to be a low OBP? high average guy who is reliant on just hitting everything uh, or is he going to maybe develop a little bit more nuance at the plate? And I think there's, there's every reason to believe that he'll continue uh, adjusting and refining that part of his game.
0: Michael Harris was someone I admittedly did not have a great feel for coming into the year. But during spring training is when the reviews started being very, very loud. I spoke to an evaluator during spring training who flat out said he's been the star in the brief looks I've gotten. Stealing bases, hitting home runs, making really good catches in the center field, getting a lot of buzz. And it wasn't just one scout. You were hearing it from evaluators throughout Florida. And I think what really stands out about him when you compare him to Christian Pache and Drew Waters even at the lower levels, those two had a lot of questions about their hitting ability and what kind of hitters they would be. Waters, the concerns were approach based. Pache, the concerns were just he's so 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 pull heavy and he has this big hole in the outer half and is he going to close that? And to date, as those guys are in AAA, those struggles haven't really gone away. Those are still the question marks. You know, three four years later, with Harris, what's been notable to me just in our discussions with evaluators is there's a pretty strong confidence he's going to hit. He can be a little aggressive in his approach sometimes, but one of the things that comes up is he makes good swing decisions. He recognizes pitches. He's strong. I mean, there are people here who think 20 to 25 home runs, 15 to 20 stolen bases with a solid average. It does seem like there's more confidence that he's going to hit even at this age than maybe there was for Pache and Waters when they were in the low levels.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that is right. And that's really the reason why Harris was wound up being the number one prospect on this list. It was a tough uh, conversation just kind of internally with people here at Baseball America, externally with the sources we were talking about, settling on that number one player. I didn't come into this like – no doubt. It's obviously Michael Harris. There's a conversation of three players who are in that mix, who, who I kind of went back and forth on, but I do think that hitting ability that you're talking about, Kyle, is the reason that, that he is in the top spot. And at the same time with Pache and waters, I think it, it might be easy to maybe jump off ship entirely with them, but it is worth noting that both of them are still just 22 years old. Pache has already reached the major league level waters has now been in triple a for multiple years. So they're both still young. Harris is two years younger and is yet to face the upper levels. So I think both of those players can still make adjustments and still be really good players. But again, there are just more questions about what you're going to get with the bat with both of them. I think.
0: Yeah, and again, there's no guarantees. Harris does need to be a little more selective, but all the tools are there for him to hit. And you talked about, I mean, at worst, people see an average defensive center fielder if he gets too big, and if he doesn't, he can be a plus defensive center fielder. So uh, the Braves clearly have something here. He was one of the biggest risers in all of minor league baseball last year. And it was just notable how strong the reports were from out-of-org evaluators, in-house evaluators, across the entire year. Carlos, you kind of alluded to this earlier, and we touched on it with Drew Waters and Christian Pache. Those are two outfielders who have been staples of the Braves' top 10 for the last couple of years. Both of them have had their struggles. The main question, again, comes down to what can they do offensively? Mm. They remain in the top 10 this year. Pache dropped to number three, Waters to number six. The big question, and I'll just ask you bluntly, will they hit enough to be productive (laughs) major leaguers?
1: Yeah, that is, the, uh, that is the big question, isn't it? I think it's tough because you've written about this, Kyle. You don't have the kind of defensive outfield players who are just guaranteed to have a role at the major league level today as much as you did in the past. You just have to hit to have a role. Um, so I guess a few years ago I would have said, uh, obviously Christian Pache is going to have a role. I, I still think he will do enough to have a role given those supplemental tools that he has, given the 80-grade defense, his double-plus running ability, double-plus arm. Uh, and his power, he, he does have very solid power, but uh, he still is going to have to make an, an adjustment offensively. He posted the highest strikeout rate of his minor league career in 2021. Um, he's gone back and forth with a few things that he does mechanically with his load. Uh, he's had trouble um, sitting on fastballs um, and getting caught out in front with breaking stuff, specifically sliders at times. Um, but at the same time, the the same hitting instructors who are in this system the same people who work through some of those similar issues with Austin Riley, who just turned in uh, an MVP caliber season uh, for the Braves. So I think there's enough hope with his, his mental ability, his mental adjustments uh, and the physical tool set that he has for him to be a productive hitter. Now he might be more of a bottom of the lineup bat than a top of the order hitter that we were, we were thinking he was going to be a few years ago. Um, But if you have solid power and his defensive ability and running ability at the bottom of a good lineup, like the Braves have, that could still be a very valuable player. Uh, I think with Waters for him next year, it's really just he needs to find a consistent approach. Um, it really never looked like he had a consistent approach this year at the minors. From people that I talked with who really know what's going on in his head and have have spoken with him about what he's doing at the plate, I think he's he's a player who thinks that um, has the confidence that he can hit anything that pitchers throw at him. And I think he just needs to get more selective about what pitches he's trying to do damage on. I think he might always be a player who has some swing and miss because he is a long levered guy. He has a long track record now of posting high strikeout rates, but I think like Pache, the supplemental tools while maybe not quite as gaudy with defense and, and running uh, are, are still pretty solid. I mean, he has solid power. He's a plus runner. He's another player. I think between waters Pache And Michael Harris, the Braves really do have three really good defensive center fielders. Obviously, all of them aren't going to be playing center field with the Braves, um, but that's valuable. He's got a strong arm for him. I I think you just want to see him take a step in his swing decisions and be more selective. And if you are going to be a player that has to live with a little bit of swing and miss, um, you need to really have your swing decisions solid and locked in and you can't chase pitches that you really have never shown an ability to do damage on or to be productive with. So I think those are the questions that I would have with Waters next year. Again, he's still 22. Um, so there's still plenty of time for him to, to figure it out. Um, but he does still have the same questions that we had a year or two ago.
0: Yeah, these are both young guys in the upper levels with tools. No one doubts that. But you have to hit even if you're an 80 grade defender in the outfield like Pasha is he's incredible out there. If you're struggling to hit 200 in the majors, you're not going to be in the majors very long. And We saw this with Victor Robles, who admittedly is not an 80 defender in center field. He's not the level of defender Pache is, but he was regressing offensively. Mm -hmm. He was hitting 200 this year, and the Nationals sent him down to AAA, a team that was rebuilding in last place, sent him down to AAA. And it just comes back to, you can be the best defender in the world, and defense is incredibly important. But if you're struggling to break the Mendoza line, you're not going to be in a major league lineup every day. Um, The Robles
1: one, Kyle, that one is actually really interesting as I was kind of putting this together because there are a lot of similarities, I think, with Pache and Robles. What makes me a little bit more confident with Pache is but even now it seems like he's got a little bit more thump in the bat than Robles did so hopefully even if he's not an average hitter maybe he can have average or tick above average power to give him a little bit more offensive production so that that's kind of the the silver lining for me when just thinking about those two
0: i mean you said is 230 20 bombs great defense in center field kind of what we're talking here with Pache at this point
1: Yeah, I think there's a chance that maybe he can get the average a tick higher, especially if he can stop pulling so frequently, if he can learn to use the field a little bit more. But, I mean, if you have that player with that home run output and that defense, you'd be pretty happy with that at the bottom of the lineup on a contending team, I would think.
0: Yeah, definitely could be a number eight, number nine hitter. And, And I think that sort of comes back to the main point, just looking through the evaluations throughout the minor leagues this year. What came back pretty consistently on both these guys is no one's giving up on them. But mm-hmm. they're seeing them more as average regulars, not above average regulars, certainly not all stars, but the potential is now average regular, and they have to make strides to get there. So, again, good players, good prospects, but just giving context for why they've dropped a little bit. On the flip side, Carlos, we talk about two hitters who there are question marks about and have been in the system for a while. Two pitchers who were 2020 draft picks absolutely shot up the system this year and really put themselves on the map just in terms of guys who can help the Braves moving forward and maybe quicker than expected. That's Spencer Strider and Bryce Elder. Strider, as you mentioned, worked his way from low A all the way to the majors. Elder got all the way up to AAA. What do the Braves have in these two pitchers? Because they got a lot of buzz this year for all the right reasons.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like I said, Strider is probably the biggest riser in the system overall. I mean, I think last year we had him at the very back end of the system, just based on some uh, feedback from the Braves, just being very high on them on him specifically, but. He's got a really good fastball in the upper 90s with impressive riding life. Um, it's a pitch that he really dominated a lot of hitters with this year. I think the question for him moving forward is, is how deep can he make his pitch mix? I mean, the slider at time, it's, it's a vertical slider, kind of a power slider in the mid-80s uh, that pairs well with his fastball at the top of the zone. It's flashed above average at times, um, but it doesn't have the consistency yet to, to hit on that grade. Regularly, so that's a question for him. And he also shelved the changeup a lot of this season, just to focus on that breaking ball, that fastball-breaking ball combination. So, because of that pitch mix, there are a lot of external scouts who think he might just be destined for a bullpen roll uh, And he's got the stuff to be a a high leverage reliever, I would think, with that pitch mix. Um, but if he is able to make some some progress with that changeup and give a legitimate third pitch, I think the Braves still internally view him. As a starter, they've developed him as a starter this year while they pushed him pretty aggressively. Um, he did not have that role in the upper levels with his, his very brief AAA and big league experience. But I think that was more just of a needs-based uh, change than anything, uh, at least what, what the Braves think of his role going forward. So um, one of the more impressive natural arms in the system with Strider And then Elder is a pitcher who has a a much longer track record of starting and starting at a high level. I really like this pick for the Braves out of 2020. Um, Not that I didn't like the Strider pick, I'd just say we we were kind of low on Strider comparatively. I think we had Elder as a top 100 prospect in the draft that year. Um, and elder is a guy with a a real five pitch mix, some of the best pure pitching ability in the organization. So we have some role question marks with strider elder is a guy who you would think can be a pretty safe bet to be a kind of back of the rotation starter. Someone who could be a spot starter if you need, depending on who else you have in the rotation. Um, he doesn't have anything that's going to blow you away in the same sense that strider does. He's mostly in the 90, 94 mile per hour range with a sinking fastball. Um, But he has solid secondaries, and he really knows how to use his secondary stuff. Um, Probably more of a ground ball type pitcher who just keeps hitters off balance more than a pitcher who's going to pile up a bunch of strikeouts. But, um, I mean, you need starters to get you through a regular season. We've seen that those three, four, and five types are less valuable in the playoffs, but the 162-game season is still a beast, and you need guys to eat innings. Um, And I think you have to feel pretty good about Elder being able to do that, and he had one of the better seasons uh, in the system this year.
0: Yeah, Strider, I want to start with him, fourth round pick out of Clemson in the 2020 draft. It's been interesting to me just, again, looking through all the reviews, making calls this year. The Mm -hmm. Braves internally talk about him as a potential starter. Evaluators outside the organization see him as a, I won't say 100%, but a 99.9% reliever, but a very good one. And as we've seen year in and year out, you need good relievers to win games, both in the regular season and the postseason. That's not a bad outcome by any means what are we looking at here just because again there is such a stark split with internally expectations Mm -hmm. he can start and externally in a lot of evaluators eyes, a very clear bullpen guy.
1: Yeah, I think probably it's more likely that he he winds up in the bullpen just given the pitch mix now um, and given some of those external reviews. But I just think it's worth noting the Braves do still plan to develop him as a starter. So if he does make a jump, I mean, we've we've seen it before where pitchers come out, they work on a a pitch that they really didn't have before, and they take a huge step. So I wouldn't want to write him off entirely. Uh, I think he throws enough strikes. Maybe he needs to get a little bit more refined. And I do think that he won't be able to kind of bully hitters with just a, a one pitch fastball. I don't know that he's a Joe Ryan type in, in that regard. Um, so probably more likely in the bullpen, especially when you consider some of the other starting pitching options that the Braves do have at the major league level, just just based on availability, you probably are going to wind up in that role. Um, but I wouldn't count it out. So if, if you're a betting man, you'd probably bet on him having a, a future reliever role.
0: Yeah, an elder fifth-round pick out of Texas. What really jumped out to me is we talked about first full season going all the way to AAA. Mm -hmm. He also led the minor leagues in innings this year. First year as a professional, went out through 137 two-thirds innings, did that posting a sub-three ERA, facing upper-level hitters, his first turn as a pro. I I think it was a really impressive season that kind of went under the radar. And Mm -hmm. again, the reviews were consistently solid too. It wasn't like this was just a minor league stat performer where you question what the value is going to be in, in the major leagues. As you mentioned, it's not explosive stuff. It's nothing that's going to light up a radar gun, but everything he does just kind of works well together. And it seemed like there was a pretty strong consensus that, yeah, this guy can be a good, efficient back rotation starter, which... As you mentioned, you have to have to get through mm-hmm. a major league season and be successful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In, in some ways, well, I, I'd get. He reminds me a little bit of Rice Wilson. I think the secondaries are better than Wilson's were, and that was always a question with with Wilson to see if so fastball reliant. Um, but in terms of pitching ability and and just an ability to move up the levels or up the minor league ladder very quickly, as you mentioned, Kyle, he's one of those those pitchers who you don't think he's going to have a massive upside, but you feel relatively safe and comfortable with what he's going to be able to give you. And and there are players who have that role who surprise you. And you kind of look up 10 years from now and you're like, wow, he had a really uh, productive uh, if unspectacular and kind of shiny major league career. So we'll see what kind of role he is in, in 2022. Um, the Braves have had so many arms um, that it's tough to kind of gauge how many innings are going to be divvied up to, to which pitchers and they've got people coming back from from injuries so a lot of that is kind of hard to determine but I mean he is a pitcher that should be ready for major league exposure this year
0: keeps the ball on the ground what kept coming up just really poised and mature no situation scares him and Mm got to have some of that chutzpah to succeed in the major leagues and uh, I'll be interested to see what Bryce Elder is able to do in the years to come All right, Carlos, these were the main guys in the system. There is some depth here, and I do want to talk about them. But first,
2: uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And we're back with Carlos Colazzo here, breaking down the Atlanta
0: Braves farm system. All right, Carlos, we hit on some of the main guys in the system. When you were constructing the top 10, based on your conversations with evaluators, both inside and outside the system, again, it feels like just from the outside looking in, you had a pretty clear cut group of maybe seven or so guys at the top, maybe eight. Ultimately, how many guys were in consideration here and who were some of the guys that are on the fence and what put them over the top?
1: yeah I'd say for me there were maybe thirteen players um there were very clearly i would say eight or nine who who I felt pretty confident were going to be in the ten and that's that's obviously the top eight um Ryan Cusick felt pretty safely there just given his pro debut it was really strong um so those nine were were close to locks for the top ten. rounding it out was more of a challenge. I thought there were three or four players who really made it, had a case. Uh, Jesse Franklin is the number 10 player um, who we went with uh, just given the power that he showcased this year, but I'm really high on Freddie Tarnock. If if this was a list, obviously I think people who listen to this podcast are probably familiar with how we do our process. But if this list was purely based on my opinions of a player, I might have Freddie Tarnock uh, in that number 10 slot. I'm just very high on his stuff, uh, his four pitch mix, the fastball, the curveball. Uh, the, the improvement that he showed this year. But I think given the level that he's at, given what uh, Franklin did offensively with the bat and just the, the pitcher-hitter risk comparison um, went with Franklin just given some of the feedback that we had. But I also thought that Von Grissom had a, a case to be in this top 10. He's a guy who, like Harris, has really good bat-to-ball skills. He's a hitter who's going to need to elevate a little bit more moving forward. And there are some defensive questions. Maybe he's more of a utility type than a player who you can kind of point to one position and look at as an everyday player. Um, so there are still some questions with him. He's in the low level still. And then another guy who at least warranted conversation just because of what he's done at the major league level, um, is Tucker Davidson. Um, he, he slid in a little bit after the top 10, but I think all of those players had legitimate arguments. Um, and it was a challenge to round out the 10 at 10 specifically, although the bulk of that group was, was pretty much set in stone for me at least.
0: As we talk about the depth of the system, you have to acknowledge that the Braves were extremely limited in what they were able to do on the international market as part Mm. of the penalties for their international signing violations under former general manager, John Coppolella. Because of that, as you put the system together, there is a pretty good group at the top, as we've talked about, of upper-level guys, a couple of interesting lower-level guys, but the system does drop off a good bit, again, between recent graduations, trades, the international signing penalties, they lost a draft mm-hmm. pick. So how would you assess the overall depth of this system and on the whole, the overall quality of it taking into account all those factors?
1: Yeah, well, I, I probably have a really good contrasting view because the other system that I did this year is Minnesota. And I think they maybe stand out as, as one of the best depth teams that you don't really have a ton of impact at the top. But Minnesota's depth in their system really blows Atlanta's out of the water. And that's kind of comparing... Maybe some of the best depth that we, we have of all the organizations and some of not the worst, certainly, but depth that is not impressive at the lower levels. And I think maybe what separates the Braves from some other teams um, where you have questions about that lower level depth or just depth in the back end of the system is that there aren't really any bats that you can point to to feel very confident in. Um, I know a lot of people would prefer to have uh, a lot of depth bats than pitchers just because of that attrition uh, the injury risk you have there. Although maybe with the Braves, you look at their track record of developing arms and you're comfortable. There are a lot of pitchers kind of in this 10 to 20 range that either had really strong seasons and took steps forward or have really impressive natural arm talent. And you, you feel pretty good about how the Braves will be able to develop them, given what they've done with a Spencer Strider and with some guys who are in the big league rotation and bullpen right now. Um, so I think there are, are names you can point to But once you get beyond Von Grissom, who are the bats that you're really confident in? I think that's really where this system goes from previously being one of the best in the game to maybe we're talking about middle tier or even a, a back third sort of farm system. You really need either some more savvy late round signings, you need them to start being active on the international market, or you just need some of these players who we don't view as impact types to take big steps forward Um, And and to Michael Harris's credit, I mean, a year ago, he was in that 10 to 20 round range and did take a big step forward.
0: You do mention there are some interesting pitchers here. And one of Mm -hmm. the guys I want to highlight is Joey Estes. He had a very, very good year down the lower levels. And so just for background, he's from an area in Southern California that's a remote desert area up in Palmdale. It's technically part of Los Angeles County, but you feel light years away from Los Angeles up there in the Antelope Valley. Mm. Not a lot of people make it out of there. There are a lot of people up there who struggle to get out. And for him to emerge as he did athletically Mm. from that area, it's not easy. He signed with the Braves out of high school as a lower round pick. And I remember he was on the showcase circuit. He was an interesting pitcher and -hmm. someone that was definitely on radars, but not considered a top, top guy. Mm-hmm. And we saw that in his signing bonus and his draft position. And he went out this year in his first full season and really was one of the most effective pitchers in the Braves system. Uh, good reviews all the way around. What do the Braves have here in Joey Estes?
1: Yeah, they've got a really good strike thrower who kind of starts with with a really impressive fastball. That's one of these new flat angle pitches that plays really well at the top of the zone. I mean, he pounded the strike zone, walked 2.6 per nine over 99 innings, all at low A Augusta. I think he's a guy who... Probably could have earned a promotion, um, but the Braves opted to keep him in Augusta the entire year. And and like we mentioned with a couple of these pitchers, really logged a lot of innings. The Braves were not shy in, in pushing their innings and having them take on a pretty heavy workload. Uh, he made progress with his secondaries this year with both a, uh, a low 80s slider and a mid-80s changeup. Um, he's really confident in both of those pitches. I think you would like for them to get a little bit sharper um, as he kind of continues to progress Uh, he doesn't really have an out pitch secondary right now. And so far he's really dominated by just overpowering pitchers with his fastball. And I think as he progresses as well, he'll probably need to do a better job of pitching out of the zone and and developing an out pitch and a chase pitch because he does fill up the zone. um, So frequently, I think once he faces more advanced hitters, there's a chance that he could be punished for that, but maybe we see that his secondaries at the next level uh, and the quality of life on his fastball are just good enough that that he can really still dominate hitters in zone. Um, but no, it was a fantastic year from him. Um, the, the questions really are, is he going to develop a solid outpitch secondary to pair with his fastball? And I think whether or not he does that will kind of determine the ceiling that we're looking at. But um, excited to see where the Braves place him next year, uh, given what he did, and hopefully he'll continue to keep throwing strikes at this level because it is impressive for a player who is just 19 years old. Is there anyone else
0: in the system here in this, you know, Mm -hmm. 15 to 30 range that really intrigues you?
1: Yeah. Two of the guys, and maybe I'll, I'll speak more on the second one, just because the first one that I come to is Spencer Schwellenbach and he's, he's injured, uh, had Tommy John surgery. So he's going to be out for a little bit. He was a two way player at Nebraska uh, the Braves loved his natural arm talent. He's a guy who, who really just ran, ran to the mound in relief for Nebraska after playing shortstop and would run a fastball up into the upper 90s with really good feel for spotting that pitch and a slider. So the Braves have a lot to work with with him. He's going to be focusing on pitching full-time for the first time. Um, but it's, it's kind of a longer uh, wait-and-see with him just given the injury. But another guy from this most recent draft class is A.J. smith um out of Colleyville, Texas a high school right-hander, and the way that the Braves talk about this kid's arm talent is exceptional. I would not be surprised at all if he popped up and made huge moves forward next year. Um, he's got a fastball that's been in the mid-90s pretty consistently after he got into pro ball, touch 97. I mean, the velocity has continued to tick up. He has excellent spin on both of his breaking balls. They're separate breaking balls, slider and a curve ball. He also had a, has a mid-80s changeup. That is is pretty advanced um just from an athletic perspective both of these players are really impressive smith Chaver um was a quarterback in the high school and he's another player who, who i just think is going to take a massive step forward because he's going to be focusing on one sport he's going to be focusing on pitching exclusively and with how polished and advanced he was given his really lack of time spent focusing on pitching I feel like there's just a lot of projection here and the raw stuff is, is super encouraging. So I'm very high on Smith Chauver and can't wait to see what he does over a, a full season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One of many guys to watch in this system. And again, with the Braves, they're in a great position. They are the defending world series champions. They've won four straight and at least titles. They have most of their top guys coming back. Although Freddie Freeman, of course is a really, really, really big part <laughs> big of the question that. there. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a really big piece of the puzzle. So we have to see what happens there, but organizationally, again, they went through a long rebuild. There were plenty of bumps and bruises. I I wrote about a lot of them after they won the World Series in game six in Houston. And here they are. It's funny, I remember actually talking to one of my best friends. His dad grew up in Atlanta as a Braves fan through and through. And I saw him shortly after the Braves won the series after I got back from covering it. And he said his entire outlook on life has changed. He was so pessimistic. Growing up, it was funny. Uh, being out here in southern california i didn't have a lot of exposure to braves fans and so his (laughs) pessimism about the braves i thought was just him and his personality and it wasn't until i got to baseball america and was living and working in the south and (laughs) interacting with braves fans that i realized oh no this is a braves fan thing this Pessimism about everything. Atlanta
1: sports fan specifically.
0: And then, yeah, then the Falcons with 28 to 3, it only got worse. Then Georgia blowing a halftime lead to Alabama in the championship game. It just got worse, even, I think, after mm-hmm. I moved out there. But I did think it was funny afterward how he was saying that the Braves winning the World Series has change his outlook on life, (laughs) that anything is possible. He's a much more optimistic person just because this happened. That's uh, the
1: power of sports, man. You got to love it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: So uh, Braves fans, you know, soak it up. Obviously, we're in a lockout right now. There's not a whole lot happening. So continue continue enjoying that championship. I mean, I say for years and years and years because, you know, they're rare and they're special and you never know when they're going to happen again. But Mm -hmm. at the very least, you can keep enjoying it because there's no off-season moves to get worked up or excited about.
1: Yeah, who knows if Freddie Freeman will ever play for you guys again. So you better enjoy you <laughs> can. So, you know, end it on a happy ow. note, Kyle. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Hey, you know what?
0: Either way, the the Braves, uh, they're in a good place and good major league team and a farm system with some talent at the top. And now just some time to backfill the depth, but still some interesting guys in there as well. Mm-hmm. Carlos, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your insight as always.
1: Thanks for having me, Kyle. This is fun.
0: All right, everyone, that'll do it for another Baseball America Prospects podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Carlos Colazzo I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Stay safe.